Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. We find a comfortable sitting place and we pick a, an object to take refuge in, whether it be the breath, sensation in the body, sensation of the breath, or anything that you can rest your attention in. So, for example, if you do choose the breath, then pay attention to sensation of breath, whether it be in the nostril, chest, belly. For example, when I breathe in, I can feel sensation in my left nostril, breathe out right nostril, or sensation in the, above the upper lip. It doesn't matter where you feel. What matters is you feel it and you can come back to it. once you have settled into the sensation of the breath or sensation anywhere in the body, now you have a, a refuge place. So if thoughts come, you can come back to this place of refuge.
So our refuge becomes the foreground, the sensation of the breath, and thoughts become the background, they come and go. Our focus is on the foreground, allowing everything else to come and go in the background. Feel free to pick your refuge anywhere that you feel most comfortable, whether it be sensation in the nostril, sensation in your palms, your shoulders, your belly, your chest, anywhere that you feel most comfortable and you feel at ease at home so that you can always come back to it whenever you have a chance.
The first part of our practice is concentration, which is to find a refuge of the breath, sensation with breath in the foreground, and allow everything to come and go in the background. Now we can move to the second step of our practice is to understand the nature of what is arising whether it be a thought, emotion, feeling, or sensation. If you, we can feel the nature of the sensation, which is the easiest. Notice whatever sensation in your body. Does it have a beginning and ending? Is it localized in a particular this, notice that it's nature. For example, if you have tightness in the shoulders, pain in your shoulders, notice this boundary, it's localization is limited to shoulders. Notice this boundary within the time dimension, it has a beginning and ending. Or the breath itself. Notice its boundary within the time and space. To make it easier to understand the nature of whatever is arising, I'm going to play the sound of the bell. But you can differentiate between the sound, the object of awareness, versus the hearing capacity, the awareness itself.
everything that's arising in our body and our mind are just like that, similar to the sound of the bell. It has a beginning and ending. And it also occur within a limited, a localized part of the body. You can feel it as part of the body. For example, fear, you can feel it as a tightness in the chest, localized on the chest. Or throbbing in the belly, but are you limited to the sound? Sounds has beginning and ending, but the one who hears, you still hear in you. Your hearing is still here before the sound, during the sound, and after the sound. Can you recognize the hearing, the one who hears as more than the object of heard, object heard, but the object Heard is the part which has a beginning and ending. And awareness, the one who hears, is the whole, which includes the part, yet more than the part. Which is still here after the sound has gone. So we, in meditation, we look into the nature of what's arising to understand and differentiate between what's arising versus the awareness, the one who hears, the one who knows. And rest in this knowing capacity, rest in the hope. Embrace the parts to realize the whole and rest in this wholeness.
And when we breathe, we notice the gap between each breath. For example, we notice the gap before the in-breath. This sound represents the in-breath. And now we feel the gap after the in-breath, before the out-breath. Now we feel the out-breath, which is the out-breath here. This sound represents the out-breath. And now there's, now there's a gap after the out-breath. And now there's the in-breath. Now there's a gap after the in-breath, before the out-breath. So when you focus, pay attention to breath, notice the gap as well. Then notice the gaps emerge together into an open space of this sky-like nature of awareness. And your breath are like the clouds. So whatever you see, whatever you hear, this arising in your body and mind are like clouds. They are forms. And the gap between the two clouds help you to realize the spacious sky-like nature of awareness in the background. The clouds are the parts. The sky is the whole. We embrace the clouds to realize the nature of our awareness is the sky-like nature. To realize this wholeness that's always there in the midst of whatever clouds arise. So when you focus on the breath, if you rest in the cloud of breath, then if I do that, then I will say I'm breathing. But if I rest in the spaces, sky-like nature of awareness, then breathing is arising in you. I'm more than the breath. I'm more than the breathing. 
But if I forget the sky of awareness, then I'm breathing. I'm confined within the boundary of the, the breath. Whereas if I rest in the sky of awareness, now breathing is, is arising in me. The boundary is there, but it's in, in me instead of I'm in it. Notice that, notice the difference. When you rest in the breath versus you rest in that which is aware of the breath. So in meditation, we start out with something that is easy first, which is choosing the cloud, choosing the breath as the cloud, so that we can embrace the cloud of the breath to recognize the sky of awareness. And then with practice, we do something harder. Now the cloud is your pain, pain in your shoulders, pain in your knees, we embrace the pain to realize the sky of awareness. We see that pain is in you instead of you're in the pain. And then we continue practice, we choose something harder, like a depression, Sadness as the cloud and real life, the embracing capacity, the loving awareness as the sky in the background. And as we recognize the sky in the background, we can be the one who's aware, the watcher. But if we forget, the sky, then we become the doer of the cloud. We become the one who depressed instead of the one who's watching the depression. Notice the difference. So practice. The easy one throughout the day, the breath. 
sensation during walking, sensation while sitting, sensation in your belly, buttocks, knees, feet. Are you the doer of the sensation or are you the watcher? In about two minutes, we will shift to our discussion period. Even during the, the shift, we can still differentiate between the cloud versus the sky, between sensation, thoughts, feeling, when we discuss versus the one who's watching thoughts, feeling. the content versus this infinite space of awareness that's holding the content, the parts versus the whole, the object of awareness versus awareness itself. The parts that which confined within the boundary of beginning and ending, The whole is that which is before, beginning, during, and after. So when we shift to our discussion, we still, we only shift the cloud, but the sky of awareness is still the same. Yeah, so continue to rest in that sky.
Thank you for allowing me to share the sitting practice with you. Now we're turning to a discussion period. Um, I would like the topic for today is mind training. I'd like to share my uh, practice with you in terms of how I how to train the mind in everyday practice. And then I would love to hear your thoughts, your experience, your sharing. We all learn from each other because the experience, the difficulty, difficult emotion that arise in you, the outer form may be different between you versus another person, but inner form is always the same. How we feel in the body and our reactivity to the difficulty is from, is reacting to the inner body experience. So what may seem unimportant to you, but it's actually important to other people. So whatever you share, we can all learn from each other. So we'd love to hear from what you're sharing. Uh, but first I uh, want to ask uh, Casey, our senior teacher here, if you have any announcement to make or anything to share uh, first. No, no, I think we're good. Okay, thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. think of. Yes. Um, so mind training. Sometimes we know the theory, the concept is to keep ourselves happy, to keep ourselves positive. Yet our um, habitual tendency is to bring up those negative emotions, thoughts, feelings. We don't want to be angry, yet we, ang we become angry. We don't want to be sad or depressed, yet sometimes it just comes and it just overpower us. Uh, sometimes we feel insecure, even though we want to feel secure. Sometimes we want to be pain-free, even though there's pain. So how do we train our mind to be at ease in the midst of whatever is going on in our body and mind? Um, <clears throat> so we start out from the law of nature. What is the law of nature that regulating our body and mind? that regulating our lives together. Um, the basic law of nature is impermanence. Anything that we can see and feel is has a beginning and ending, impermanence. Non-self, we have no control over whatever is arising. For example, fear arises. It just arrives for no reason. Sometimes it has a reason, but we want to control the fear. We want it not to come up and it still comes. So non-self meaning it comes on its own and it leaves on its own. Sometimes we want, even if you want to be fear 24 hours a day, or it can't, it just come and go and then come and go, come and go. Just like the sound of bell, come and go. Come and go. You cannot keep the bell always here forever. It just come and go. Yeah. So whether it's be positive or negative, emotion, feeling, it come and go. So that's non-self. And the third aspect of the law of nature is suffering. When we make ourselves the doer of the content of whatever is arising then we suffer because when we're the doer, 
it's my feeling. If you identify it's my feeling, then you want to make it no fear. Fear rise, but you want to make it no fear, or you want it to have uh, happiness arise and go like a breeze, but you want the happiness to stay. So you're going against the law of nature. Mm -hmm. And every time that we go against the law of nature, we always lose. Nature always wins. Mm -hmm. So instead of going against the law of nature and trying to make nature fit with our desire, our expectation, we adapt our expectation and desire to make it fit with the law of nature. So instead of trying to change the whole to make it fit with the part, we merge, surrender the part and merge with the whole because the whole is always win. Only the whole, the formless awareness is the one that has permanency, a self and no suffering. But how can we rest in this wholeness in the midst of the parts that we utilize in everyday life? Because we, in everyday life, we always utilize our thoughts, feelings, emotions. Mm -hmm. So that's the practice of meditation and that's the practice of mind training. How do we train this mind so that we can use it instead of being used by it? So thought is like a car. You, we, uh, when we can't control it, it just, the engine just turn on and it drives on its own, it creates an accident. It become a liability for us. Mm -hmm. Then we have to pay our neighbor because it keep hitting other cars, <laughs> our neighbor's car. So there are two ways to get, to solve the problem. We can destroy the car so that it has no problem, get rid of the car so it uh, does not cause accident to our neighbors. And that's what sometimes some people believe that when we sit in the meditation, we get rid of the thoughts. But then you get, you solve the problems, but then you are destroying thoughts that can be very useful in our daily life. So the second way is instead of destroying the car, we learn to cut up the fuel supply when no longer needed. And when needed, feed on the fuel supply. So we feed on the energy or we take away the energy. Then we can use the car. When we need it, we use it. When we don't need it, we cut the fuel supply, the energy, the source of energy. And then it doesn't, the car doesn't go and hit other people's neighbors. Uh, of people's mm -hmm. car or anything. So same thing with the thought. We, or emotion feeling. Can we feed energy into the thought when needed and cut up the fuel supply, the energy to the thoughts, to the emotion when no longer needed? And if we can do that, then thoughts become a beautiful instrument. Mm -hmm. And we can use it instead of being used by it. So how do we feed energy or take away energy into the thought? In meditation, um, we learn that the law of energy, that 
wherever, whatever you put your self-identity, the doer, I mean mine, it be energy into it. For example, if anger is arising in me, and I say it's my anger, if I only focus on the other person uh, and see whatever mistake he or she make, and I then I'm actually feeding energy into anger. Then it's my anger. Then I'm the doer of the anger. Then I'm feeding energy into it. Mm-hmm. Or I can take away energy from anger by being the one who's watching the anger. Because when I become the watcher, I shift my self-identity from the doer to the watcher. Mm-hmm. And in that shifting, I cut off the fuel supply. So anger still comes. But now I'm not the one who's anger. I'm the one who's watching David getting angry. Yeah. Now the fuel, now, now I'm cutting the fuel supply. And like anything else, anything in life, whatever arise, it needs constant fuel supply to maintain. If I cut up the fuel supply, it's still there out of momentum, but eventually it will drop on its own. So how do I shift from the doer to the watcher? I can use a metaphor to make it easier to understand. When you go into a theater, you have a drama being presented on stage and the audience in the background. So awareness is like the audience, but this audience is not, it's not away from the drama, but this audience include the drama, yet include the stage, yet more than the stage. That's the, that's the metaphor of uh, awareness is like the audience, which include the stage, yet more than. And the object of awareness is like the drama on stage, which can find within the boundary of beginning and ending, that's, or local, localized within the body, which is like a boundary of the stage. So when we, whenever we act something, it's like a drama on stage. If we believe that we are the doer, if we forget the audience, then whatever drama on stage become real, become real life. But if we remember in the midst of the drama on stage, we remember our true self as the audience, the total, the one who's watching, then the difficulty, the uh, depression, the anger, the whatever difficulty, the fear, the insecurity, drama still rise. But now we are, we know that I'm just an actor and actress performing this drama. But in the midst of the drama, the parts, the whole audience is, is still okay in the midst of whatever drama on stage. The audience is not affected by the drama on stage. So that's what we are awake, trying to awaken in our meditation practice is to awaken this wholeness in the midst of whatever drama is arising. And, and the way to awaken is to see that, to taste that, to feel that, and then to rest in that as the 
main attention and the drama on stage has the sub attention. So to take refuge in the audience in the midst of whatever is going on, we still perform the doing, the drama on stage, but now we become the actor, the actress instead of the doer. Can you differentiate between the actor, actress versus the doer? The doer take it very seriously. Whereas the actor and actress just performing the doing, but don't take it seriously because the actor and actress know that I'm just performing just at a particular stage one. The, uh, I mean, yes, when the curtain open and come in perform, and then after the performance is over, scene number two, I'm going out and become the audience. I rest in the audience, scene number three, I step in and play another role. Mm -hmm. So I play the role, but I'm more than the role. And that's the practice of meditation, how to recognize awareness, the audience, in the midst of the object of awareness, which is the drama on stage. But we can only recognize awareness by embracing the drama on stage. We, we can't push the drama on stage away because when you push away, then you forget the audience. You become the one who run away from the drama. Then you become the doer. So the way to recognize the audience, it sounds counterintuitive, but that's the only way is to embrace the drama and recognize the one who embraced, which is the audience. And with practice, you can feel that. But so if it's hard to do, then that's step two. Then go back to step one, which is our practice, which is just resting in the refuge of the breath in the foreground and arise the drama in the background. Mm -hmm. And then with practice, when you get used to step one, then you can go to step two, which is going straight, embrace into the drama and recognize yourself as more the one more than the drama. The drama is always at the beginning and it, and you embrace it, you focus, you pay attention to it, then you realize I'm more than the I'm more than the sound. Because the sound has beginning and ending, I'm just before, during, and after. I'm more than the sound. Same thing with the drama, same thing with the fear. When you really go in deeply into the fear, you realize I'm more than the fear. So this is from the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. The big Buddha versus the small Buddha. The big Buddha embraced the small Buddha. So the small Buddha is the drama on stage. The big Buddha is the one who embraced. So when you embrace the drama, the, the small Buddha, the fear, then you realize you're more than the fear. You're that big Buddha. But if you push the fear away and say, go away fear, go away, then you will not awake, you will not recognize the big Buddha. Then you always become the small Buddha. So the small Buddha in itself is not bad. But if you forget the big Buddha, then the small Buddha becomes your master. And if you embrace the small Buddha, then you awaken the big Buddha. And from the vantage point of the big Buddha, now you can guide your mind, your body, 
and mind, your emotion, feeling, sensation. And this is the true mind training. You can only train the mind when you are more than the mind. But if you are the mind, then you can change from a, um, something from negative to positive, but then you it stay in the circle. It change back from positive to negative, negative to positive. It keep coming back into a circle of the small Buddha. So the way to go beyond both positive and negative is to embrace it and recognize that you're more than the positive and negative. And that from the vantage point of the big Buddha, from the more than, now you can die reparenting the small Buddha. And that's our body and mind is that small Buddha. It's not bad. It's just need reparenting. <laughs> but to reparent in the small Buddha, you need to know that there's something in you that is more than the conditioning of the small Buddha. You got to awaken that. Only from the vantage point of that can you awake, can you guide the small Buddha, the mind training. And it's like weight lifting. You can't lift 300 pounds if you never lift weight. You got to lift 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 150. So you don't wait until a depression arises to awaken the big Buddha. You do it while breathing, while walking, while cooking, while bicycle riding, while doing anything. Am I the doer? If, if I'm the doer, then I become the small Buddha. But if I'm the watcher, then I become the big Buddha. So in the midst of walking, and you recognize there's something watching the walking sensation, yet more than the walking. So the way to do that is to see the boundary of the walking, the beginning and ending, and rest in that gap that is always there before, during, and after each sensation and rest in this knowing capacity. Or in Vipassana, we call it loving kindness. Rest in the one who love, love who's always send love to it. Because the one who loves the fear is more than the fear. The one who loves the anger is more than the anger. So rest in this loving capacity, the lover. And that's why in meditation, uh, loving kindness metta is so powerful because it's one of the easiest way to embrace the small Buddha using love to awaken the one who loves, which is the big Buddha. And the big Buddha is always the same. It's the common factor in every one of us that is always there that you can take refuge in. Thank you very much for allowing me to share the practice with you. And I would now open it up to uh, your sharing, either in person or via Zoom. Just raise your hand. Uh, if I can't see you, just say it. Just unmute and say it out loud. If I didn't see you. And remember, we learn from each other. Whatever is the outer form, you may have depression, uh, some people depressed from a broken relationship, another from a health issue, another from a financial situation. The outer form different between us, but in the form, the depression 
is the same, which is the throbbing in the belly, the tightness in the chest. And we, we react to the inner form, the body sensation. So the outer form, you don't have to say, but the inner form, you can say, okay, when I'm depressed, I feel throbbing belly, how do I do, do that? So we all share that commonality, the inner form. The outer form may be different, but the inner form is that we share. And the reactivity is that we share. So whatever you share, we learn from, from you, we learn from each other. Thank you. Feel free to raise your hand or unmute yourself. Oh, yes, please. Um, um, so um, um, to understand that the instruction is when, um, when the insecurity mm -hmm. arises, yes. when the depression arises, yes. um, the, the instruction is to embrace the insecurity and the, and the depression. Um, and to acknowledge its presence yes. and then and then love it. Yes. So so in a sense of re, of, of parenting. So it's I, I sorry. <laughs> um, uh -huh. so you're caring for it. Yes. Yes. So it's you're bigger than it. Yes. You're, you're parenting. It, you're showing it love and compassion. Yes. Uh, can everybody in Zoom can hear that too? I just want to make sure. Uh, it's like, yeah. It is like a child. Right. Very, okay. Yes, okay. beautiful, Jason. Right. And the way to make it easier, because when, you, when we talk about uh, uh, insecurity, depression, it's just a concept. And it's hard to step out of the concept. So you, you get to shift from the outer form to the inner form the word of depression into the sensation of the depression. So sensation depression is the throbbing of belly. Mm -hmm. And when you see the throbbing, you see that it's confined within the space dimension, which is it's only confined within the belly, but you are not depressed from below the belly and above the belly. The chest up, you're not throbbing. From buttocks going down, you're not throbbing. So, you know that depression is only a part of you, but you're the whole. Depression is only a sound, but you're the whole. You're the one who listens to the sound. So depressed, everything that's arising, for example, depression, insecurity, is confined within the boundary of space, so, which is the throb in the belly, and confined within the boundary of time. You are already there before the depression because it has the beginning. The beginning of the throbbing, you are there before the throbbing, during and after the throbbing. So, so you we shift from the back, from the thoughts of depression to the sensation of depression. Now we can easily see the boundary within the space and time. And now we can step out. We can go. We can recognize that we're bigger than that. Only when we're bigger than that can we reparent in that. So now the depression is not a problem anymore, but just a feedback mechanism. It tells you what, what I've done wrong, what strategy I need to take to change it. So what to pay attention. What to pay attention to. What do I miss? Yeah. Or do, do I live in accordance with the law of the universe or not? Because sometimes we something that impermanent that we expect it to be permanent. So the problem is not in the depression or in what we do, but the problem is in our expectation that we want it to be permanent. Mm 
where uh, which is in conflict with the law of nature. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Anybody else? Please. Remember, we learn from each other. You are a teacher when you say. I'm trying to yes. allow the, the talk has focused on feeling of uh, when negative emotions arise. Yes. Um, but on the flip side, if you're in a, in a state of enjoyment or excitement, is the same protocol there, or are we kind of like lost yep. in that also? Like, this is a good, I'm having a good time. I want to get this good time going. But do I stop and go, wait a minute, is it permanent? I should, yeah. <laughs> I should be aware of the sensations that are arising here. You know, um, how can we, is, is this more like an equanimity practice than? We're aware of the when positive things are arising. Yeah, so beautiful. I'm, well, I'm kind of curious about your theory. Yes, beautiful that. practice. In fact, uh, Lars, everybody can hear Lars' comment, right? In, in Zoom. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Lars, just summarize our practice. So, when in step one, we use a, um, a refuge, we use something positive as a refuge so that the negative. They do come, but they, they are not how uh, the negative is in the sub attention in the background, where positive is the, in the foreground, the main attention, so that we use the positive to, uh, uh, to rest in so that the negative don't overpower us. That's step one. We all, depending on where, where you're at, you, we have to go with where you're, where you have to go where you're at, not where the goal is. But where you at? So step one, rest in that, in the positive. Step two, going to both the positive and the negative, because the negative <clears throat> is something negative. We're trying to push it away, but it's my negative. It's my depression. I'm pushing away, and if you, and then the positive is my desire. I'm grasping to it. But it's still mine. So as long as you grasp the my desire positive, then you create a tendency for you to grasp to push away my negative. Mm-hmm. But it's still the same mind. So whenever you grasp to the positive, the desire, you create a tendency to also push away your negative because they go together. They do us. Mm-hmm. So uh, so uh, Part is to embrace embrace both the positive and the negative. Maybe I can show this be easier to see. Okay. If you grasp, if you grasp the positive, then you have a tendency to push to also grasp the negative and push away the negative because you only grasp the form and you make it my form. But in step two, we rest in that which is bigger than the positive and negative. So we don't grasp the, neg- the positive, we rest in the audience so that the positive is in the, it's a drama on stage, but we don't grasp it. We just acting, but not as doer, but only as an actor to the positive, then we can become an actor to the negative while resting in the audience, then, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. Then you play with both the positive and negative, but 
remember the word play. Play is when you you play as an actor, actress. You don't take it personal. Sometimes you win, ah, good, good. Sometimes you lose, that's okay too. But if you forget the audience, then when you win, you boost up your ego. When you lose, you depress. But if you remember the audience, then when you win, oh, it's good. Lose, ah, it's good because I know that it's impermanent. Then no problem. You play the game. So it's if you're if you're lost. If you get lost in the positive, that's that's the same as being lost in despair because you've lost your you've lost your hope you've lost your sense of awareness that you're bigger than just the happiness. beautiful yes right. so that's the problem when you forget the audience that you think you're just that so I am this success I am all this money I am this house right I am these you know, yes and that's right you've objectified you objectified so that if the depression is there when you lose the money you lose the house you lose something if you are if you forget the audience then you that depression is a hundred percent of your consciousness it's a hundred percent then it control you but if you remember the audience in the midst of the depression then the audience is out here is 99 percent the depression is only 1%. So you remember the whole in the midst of the part. It's the same depression. But now you increase your consciousness to something bigger than the depression. Now it's still the same depression, but now it's only 1%. 1% you can deal with it. 100% you can't deal with it. So we are not trying to change the depression. We just embrace the depression to to realize our true self as the one who embraces, mm -hmm. not the depression. We realize our true self as the audience, not, not the drama on stage, not the doer of the drama. We realize our true self as the wholeness of the sky, not the part of the cloud. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. David, thank you. Your teaching is very clear as always. Um, I actually wrote a poem last night that uh, is almost a summary of your talk today. And if we have time, I'd like to read it at some point. Beautiful, please do, please do. Thank you so oh, much. Okay. It's short. Uh, I called it When Nothing Sticks. Mm -hmm. A mirror reflects objects. Mind reflects thoughts, feelings, and perceptions. Without attachment or aversion, nothing sticks to the mirror and everything comes and goes, comes and goes. Thoughts, feelings, and perceptions float through the sky like clouds on a windy day. Then the thoughts of self and not self find no abiding home. Everything that arises, whether thoughts or the call of a crow, are fleeting and equally impersonal. Now my mind is unmoving like the sky as I watch clouds come and go, come and go. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Anthony. The beautiful thing about poem is it say more than what logic can say, than what words can say. <laughs> it said something yet more than. <laughs> and Anthony has a beautiful way of putting it, to say that something more. Uh, thank you.
I really enjoy your talks. Thank you. Thank you. You enjoy your poem and your sharing. Thank you very much, as always. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I always love being here with you. Thank you. you teach. Um, I find for myself, um, you know, I totally, how I feel is um, there's such a freedom. I mean, I whenever I step back from all the drama that's going on, I feel like an immense source of, I mean, freedom is the only word, like spaciousness. And then I can see what's going on and, and if I don't react, you know, then, but when I get caught into the drama, then that sense of freedom or um, spaciousness goes away. Mm -hmm. But what I've found is, um, like at work or with my friends, because they don't practice meditation, whenever I say stuff like that, mm -hmm. they go, but aren't you really upset about this? Something mm -hmm. happens at work. Yes. Um, where this guy's getting promoted, like above me, and I mean, everybody's like, "Oh my God, aren't you upset?" And at first, I was, and, um, but they brought him over from Europe, and anyway, it's a big drama. At first, I was like, ah, "Like what the, the, you know, like totally in the drama." Yeah. And then after like a couple of hours, I thought, "Well, like, do you really want it? <laughs> do you want all that responsibility and all yeah. those things?" But the next day, I felt great. Like, I think because I had stayed in the moment yes. and not pushed it away or pretended or any of those things, the next day was just the next day. I could go to work <laughs> and it was like, hey, what's up? You know, mm -hmm. there was no grasping on or being mad at him or mad at the situation. It was just like, here you are showing up. Like, yes. you know, you're the actor then in this thing. And then when you leave, you're gone. There's no grasping onto something. It's just, it's just there. Things yes, are just yes. coming and going, and that's his decision, or you know. Yes. And it's so much better, you know. Then I could go home and ride my bike and you know, just go <laughs> the beach, go uh -huh. down to the beach. And, whereas years ago, I could never have done that without practice. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yes. So, Angela just beautifully expressed how to deal, how to awaken the big Buddha when the small Buddha acting up. <laughs> Remember, uh, uh, it's in our conditioning for so long. It still come up. You, you, our practice is not, not to uh, force it not to come up. But our practice mm -hmm. is to acknowledge the conditioning of the small Buddha when it come up and then awaken the big Buddha to reparenting mm -hmm. the small Buddha. And that's what uh, Angela successfully, and, and <laughs> is, uh, she has tasted her experience of freedom, how to awaken it. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. It's not instantaneous. You know, you, we let the small Buddha kind of create a, a, a melodrama first <laughs> but the key is to see it yeah and then with practice you see it it's like angela mentioned thank you so much yeah. anybody else so i know that yes um we're talking about kind of like daily life kind of day-to-day -day noticing when things are arising 
I know that Casey has spoke a, a bit about the detriments in the last couple of um, yeah. um, sessions that I've sat in with him. Is there ways to, and there, it feels like there's kind of ways to kind of fine tune your practice to meet those detriments like torpor or excitement or there. I guess what I'm trying to say is like the, the, the depression arising, do you, is there a way to like refine how you approach that as, a, as opposed to excitement? Oh, okay. I see. Or we can summarize it and say, how do we remember it 24 hours a day? Can we make something that uh, feel the energy so that we can uh, we can make this so exciting to us that uh, that we awaken it 24 hours a day? Because if we make it dry, then I should do it. But, we, but should would not work because it's a work, because it's work. We want something, a love affair, <laughs> not a work, not working. Because a love affair, we instantaneously gravitate towards it. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a love affair, not I should do it, not work. So um, in traditional religion, they uh, we use surrendering, we use devotion, because in meditation practice in vipassana, if if the anger arises, then uh, we shift, we rest in the watcher, the one who watches the anger, but so it's just only anger, but no one who's angry. There's no doer. There's just doing. There's only anger. There's just a doing of anger, but no doer. We're just a watcher. We're just the one who embraced the world, but uh, the the anger. We're not. We're not the anger. We're more than the anger itself. But then our. Uh, but then our uh, mind always said, "Then who is angry?" Vipassana said, "There's no." There's no one who's angry. There's no who. There's just the anger, but I'm the one who embraced anger. I'm not the one who's angry. It's, it's just a part of me. I'm more than that part. But then the mind, the habitual mind will say, who, who, who? Who's doing it? So to satisfy the habitual mind, we use, we devote it. We use the divine as we surrender to divine. Because the key is to surrender this, but they all, the, the mind always asks who. So we surrender to the divine. So divine can be Christ, Buddha, Maharaji, Muhammad, Allah, or whatever you choose, doesn't matter. The, what matters is you use the divine as an excuse to surrender this. And once you surrender this, then you're no longer the doer. If Christ is the doer, then I'm the watcher. And if we surrender to a divine, it's much easier because it's a love affair with the divine. Then a love affair, you can always carry it with you. And you can choose anyone as a divine, any religious technique as a divine. Then, then you can rest in that love affair 24 hours a day. Because um, we as humans always gravitate towards love something higher than us, and we have a love affair. So this, the meditation practice is 
to understand the law of universe. And then we can use that, this understanding to adapt to whatever you're used to. If you're used to uh, a particular religion, to Christ, you use it with Christ. If you use it, you're familiar with Allah, use it. Or whatever tradition, Maharaji or, or whoever you use. But the key is not the, who you surrender to. The key is you surrender. You surrender the difficult emotion. But you just need an excuse, a person to surrender to. You just need an excuse. And once you surrender, you use that excuse as that the divine to surrender, yes, then automatically you become the watcher. If you surrender the divine as the actor on stage, automatically you become the audience. In fact, uh, I read a beautiful footprint in the sand from footprints in the sand in the Christian tradition. It, it seems, yes, it's in the Western audience, so I'm going to use something that's familiar with what you're familiar with. Um, one night, a man had a dream. I'm going to shorten it. Uh, he noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very, very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why I need, when I needed you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carry you. Beautiful. So any tradition that you're familiar with, you use it as an excuse to surrender your doing, to surrender your difficult emotion. Uh, so it's like you're carrying the weight. You have a choice, you can carry the weight or you can put it down to the ground and let existence, the divine to carry it for you. The weight is still the same, but who would you want to carry, you or the divine? <laughs> so when you make your depression your doer, then you become the doer, uh, you, you carry it. But when you let the divine carry it for you, then you become the audience. But remember, divine is just an excuse. The key is not the divine, but the key is to surrender, to shift from the doer to the watcher. And if you have the divine as the doer, automatically you become the watcher. And the watcher is the key to your freedom. The watcher is the sky of awareness, the mirror that Anthony was talking about. Whereas the doer is the object, the clouds. When it turns into a black cloud, you become sad. When it's turned into a white cloud, you become elated. But you keep being controlled by the cloud. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. So, the key to practice 24 hours is to have a love affair. <laughs> Not I should do it. I'm bad and I should do it. No, have a love affair. Love something bigger than you. Like uh, Casey practiced the Tibetan tradition. Always, he always have a love affair towards uh, the, the divine. And, but divine can be the object of divine. The person of the divine may be different between each one of us. 
but the devotion is the same. Mm -hmm. Devotion is the the one who is your saving grace. That's it. your refuge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you you don't you're not gravitating towards the earth. First, you gravitate towards the uh, uh, the love, the devotion, but eventually with practice, the devotion gravitate towards you. Mm -hmm. Then you're not doing any work; it just gravitate towards you. You merge with oneness mm -hmm. with the with the beloved. You and the beloved become one. You and the divine become one. And that's when you have no, you no longer have to put in energy to it. Anybody else from Zoom that want to share to share? Is that Heather? Did you raise your hand? No? Okay. No. okay. <laughs> well, I didn't raise my hand, but I'm happy to share. Yes, please. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate um, when you describe the, uh, like a difficult emotion and uh, and sort of moving from being the doer of that emotion to the audience. And, um, and I was just, that I was thinking about how, and I guess you were just describing, you know, in order for this to work on a daily basis, you have to make it a love affair. It really does take so much practice to, to move away from that difficult or even that delicious emotion. Um, it's, it, you know, just over and over again and not getting frustrated, but it, it made me think of um, a, uh, so I, I've been taking some jujitsu classes and we grapple with each other. And, um, and I often, because I'm so new at it, I often find myself sort of underneath someone who's being held down and they are trying to do something to me to get me to submit. And, <laughs> and, and the thing is, what you learn is that, is that um, when you hyper-focus on the one thing that they're doing, maybe they have your wrist going like this, you're so vulnerable um, in other parts of your body. They might just go for this, but what they really want to do is get you in a chokehold. So you, so I, I have had to learn to like make that awareness of what's happening sort of bigger. So not hyper-focus on the one, but sort of be expansive and in the whole of what's happening. And I, and, but I have to do it over and over again. And it's, so it's kind of reminding me of, of what we're talking about here, which is, it is, um, is not the hyper-focus or the becoming this one little piece, but sort of expanding and sort of seeing a bigger um, thing that's happening. So anyway, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Heather. <laughs> I can relate to what you said because I practiced Aikido uh, uh, and uh, Taekwondo before. So for example, uh, this is me, this is the other, my opponent. If I only focus on my opponent, I can only see one thing. Mm -hmm. And then if he gives something else, then I miss it. So he may use this as a fake. This my hand, a wrist as a fake, but his real thing is 
this is to grab my neck, <laughs> choke me in my neck. So if I focus on this, then I'll miss this. But in order to focus on this and this, I have to identify myself as David. So the, our practice is to shift from David to the one who's watching David and watching my opponent at the same time. So the universe, I shift myself to the universe. <laughs> In fact, that's awareness is, is the universe. So from the vent, from David's vantage point, I can only see, see one thing at a time. But from the vantage point of the universe, I can see both David and this and this at the same time. So the advantage point of the universe is I can see David's strength and weakness. From David's perspective, I can only see my opponent. Strength and weakness. So this gives you vantage point of the whole universe. And, but you can't see the whole universe because it's formless. It's, the part can't, cannot understand the whole, but the whole can understand the part. So the way to reach the whole is to watch the part and realize the one who watched the part is the whole. The, the parts, David cannot understand the universe, but the one who's watching David is the universe. So the way to, from the part to reach the whole is to watch the part, not, not the part trying to reach the whole. So the drop of water cannot understand the ocean, but the way to, but the ocean can understand the drop of water. So the way is to be aware of the drop of water, to realize the one who's aware is the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Yes, please, Casey. Uh, this is, uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks for the whole thing. Whole thank you, thank you, Casey. Please, please share. Uh, a quote from Papaji. Uh, the one who follows the thought is also a thought. The one who follows the thought is in thought. When you know that both are thoughts, you are home. You're not at home, you are home. Then allow thoughts to arise and allow them to be followed. You remain as that unmoved and unconcerned being. This is the highest understanding. Beautiful. Can everybody in Zoom hear that? Yes, you can. Yes, thank you so much, Casey. Beautiful. Wow. <clears throat> That's Ram Dash's teacher? No, no. What was his name again? Kumja or Papaji. Okay. Ram Dash might have followed him, but that wasn't his name. Yeah. This is from the Ramana lineage in Vijayagartha and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, a non dual school of uh, <clears throat> Hindu non dual school. So that's what. Uh... <clears throat> Casey was mentioning, the part cannot understand the whole. So when the part trying to understand the whole, he make, I make the whole the parts. So I can't understand awareness. I can only understand the thought of awareness, but not the awareness itself, <laughs> because the awareness is bigger than me. So the way to get to awareness is not for me to understand, but rather is to watch myself. And the one who's watching myself is bigger than myself. So the part cannot understand the whole, but the whole can understand the part. So the way is to, to send loving kindness to myself. And the one who loving kindness, who, who send loving kindness is the whole. So we cannot use logic to understand awareness because awareness is beyond logic. 
we can watch logic because logic has boundaries. We can watch logic to understand that which is beyond logic. And that is the mystery. That is the unknowable. So we rest in the unknowable from the perspective of the part from David's is unknowable. From the perspective of the universe, from the unknowable, it knows everything about David. <laughs> so when I talk to you, I have to use from the perspective of David. Then I say it's unknowable. But the way to get there is know David, know the part, and the one who knows is the whole, is the unknowable, the mystery. Thank you. <laughs> we still have a few more minutes. If you like, anybody you would like to share? Before we yes, do, David, please, yeah, please. I just want to thank you so much for, for coming and teaching and yeah, you're always so amazing. I thank you for sharing your wisdom and just an extra, you know, thank you uh, because now that we're in person, you know, it was so easy when we were uh, <laughs> online, though so everyone just wanted to have everyone give David an extra thank you because yeah, showing up in person now, you know, we show up earlier, we set up the room and and all of that so yeah thank you for coming oh thank you to casey with everybody to every one of you because without you we wouldn't be able to have a place to share to me my heart grow bigger (laughs) when i share with you (laughs) and that's the expansion of consciousness Uh, that's what i'm looking for and everything becomes just an excuse for me to open my heart and casey asked me to come but uh, to, uh, to share with you, but he also come to help me open and help me to uh, put, get everything ready. So mm-hmm. thank you to Casey for coming on your busy update from your busy schedule and help well, set up. Be here. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh-huh. Anybody else have to apply it to daily life? Uh, daily difficulty? in terms of the pain. Well, just thank you, David, for, um, I just, and everybody for a lot of reminders to remember. That's the thing. Thank you, Rick. Thank you very much. Thank you for the teaching. I appreciate it. Sorry, I couldn't be there in person, but um, I'm glad I got to hear what you and everybody else had to say. Thank you. <laughs> so our practice here is not to change religion from Christianity to Buddhist or to make yes, but rather learn the law of nature and apply it to what you are familiar with, what your heart gravitates towards. It, it just happened to be that Buddhist texts have a lot of tech- techniques on meditation, but you don't have to be a Buddhist (laughs) to understand, to practice it. It's just a law of nature. It just happened to, just like uh, uh, medical terms, you just happen to see books from Germany because that's where it starts, but you don't have to be uh, from Germany, but you don't have to be a German to to study medical school. (laughs) Similarly, this is just what we practice in here, that's the law of the universe. Uh, you don't have to shift, change your way of doing, thinking, your uh, normal way, the culture way, to, to embrace this. 
So anything, just learn the law of nature, and which is impermanence, non-self, and suffering, and apply that into whatever you already have, whether it be Christianity, Buddhism, uh, Muslim, or whatever it is, Hindu, uh, but make it part of you. Um, make it your own devotion so that you are devo devoted to the divine, something bigger than you, 24 hours a day. And let the divine become the doer. And so instead of carrying your load, let the divine carry it for you. Then automatically you shift from the doer to the watcher. It becomes automatic. Instead of trying to drop the doer, which is harder, because you're still using the, using the ego identity. But if you just put everything into have a love affair with the divine, and uh, let the divine do it for you, then you become the watcher, the awareness, the audience. That is the way to be to embrace it 24 hours a day in answering two large questions. That's, it's hard to remember 24 hours, but love will make you gravitate towards it. Devotion will make you gravitate towards it. So that's to let it do you instead of you do it. Yeah. Let's because it's bigger than you, it's more powerful than you. Mm -hmm. Let the divine consume you instead of you trying to consume the divine. Instead of you trying to possess the divine, let the divine possess you. Let the unknowable possess you. And that is true love and devotion. Thank you very much for allowing me to share the practice with you. Take care. See you next time. <laughs>